Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Our Hearts at Home podcast, where we talk about trusting God in the midst of suffering. We're your hosts, Gary and Laura House, co-founders of the Our Hearts at Home ministry to bereaved parents. Every one of us encounters suffering. Each week on this show, we sit down with people who have a deep understanding of suffering because they've experienced it. We hope you'll leave here with new insights into how you can trust the Lord through the painful times of your life. So thanks for joining us. We think you're going to be encouraged by what you hear today. Well, today we welcome to the podcast our good friends Scott and Tracy Blackburn, who are Canadians but now live in the Amazon jungle of Peru. They are part of the Our Hearts Are Home team and lead a monthly support group for parents, help facilitate conferences, and are going to also be leading a book study this year. Scott and Tracy, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, you know, we usually ask our podcast guests to share a little bit about their family first and what they're doing right now. But in your situation, what you're doing right now and where you live is really completely connected to Tat's story also. So let's just start with um, introducing our audience to Tat. Tell us a little bit about her. What was her personality? You know, what were her goals? Tell us who she was. Tat was, um, she was a go-getter. She was in college for, um, oh my goodness, help me. What was her program? Oh, master, or, uh, BA in theology. BA in theology, but she also wanted to do um, master's, in master's in psychology and counseling. And so her heart was really for children. She loved children. She loved um, mission work. She had been on some several uh, mission trips and had been part of um, some orphanage care in Haiti. And God really broke her heart for that. And so when she came back to Canada, she originally had told us that she was just going to quit after high school and just be, become a missionary. Um, we kind of reeled her in after that for a little bit. And she decided that she would go to school for those things first and then look into that. Um, and so that really um, was her goal, was how she could help children and, and how she could love them. So what happened with us was she was involved with a with a, a ministry that was an orphanage for children, and she loved that. And we had the opportunity to um, come to Peru to take care of children, and um, she was really the driving force behind that because that was her heart's desire, and I think she really wanted her family to do that as well. So Scott, you were not working with kids before you had a business, right? And <laughs> kind of how did that happen that all of a sudden your family's saying, yeah, Tat, this is a great idea. And you all head to Peru. <laughs> we kind of got to back up a, a, a quite a bit when Tat was about four years old and I became a Christian and, and um, I, I was, God just put it on my heart to do missions and, and I went on my first missions. I don't even think I was a Christian for three months. I went on my first missions trip to Brazil. Um, really got a bug to to serve cross culturally. Um, you know, we we did have our own. We had a, a large missionary business in Canada, and and uh, that afforded us time off to be able to do some work. So I started working in Cuba. Uh, first went down to build a a church, tear down an old church, and and rebuild the church. And uh, you know, the kids were involved in Tat and, and Caleb and Jackson. Jackson was two when he first came to Cuba with us. Um, so that led to a whole bunch of subsequent trips to Cuba. Uh, did some feeding programs. We did some pastoral care uh, throughout the southern part of the island. And, uh, but, you know, it, it was great doing part-time work, but I really, I really felt called to full-time work. And 
Um, so we got aligned with an organization that was uh, that had both work in Cuba and Peru, and we caught word that the children's home that they had in Peru was was closing for a lack of um, competent staff. Uh, so we had that opportunity come up. It was at the same time that opportunity came up that Tad had gone to Haiti um, and then really God defined what he wanted her to do um, through that trip. And so it just all sort of came together. God just aligned it all in, in, in six months, um, in six months in 2014. And we literally shut down our business, sold everything we had and uh, moved to Peru in October of 2014 and started serving here. Wow. I'd never heard the the whole Cuba part of your story before. That's, that's the Reader's Digest version. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, there's I'm, a little yeah. bit more involved. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of stories. Yeah. So you ended up in Peru and Tat was engaged and close to getting married. Uh, she was actually coming to Peru to have her wedding, as I understand. Uh, can you share about Tat's home going? Yeah, so um, we had... Uh, in 20, that was in 2018, and when we when we started 2018, we had gone home for a furlough, and we actually changed organizations. We left the organization we were with. We came back to Peru. We started our own association. We started our own children's home, um, and we were living in a large home in town. And and we had just got uh, in July of that year, we had just gotten aligned with a new organization, the organization with now Impact Hope, um, and uh, and then of course in August of that year. Uh, well, through that month, um, you know, Tat and Matt were, were were planning the wedding. They were coming here to Peru to do a destination wedding. We couldn't leave. We're in the middle of an adoption. Um, we really couldn't leave the country, and Tat knew that, so she decided that they would just come here. Um, they were going to do a civil wedding in, in Canada just to take the legality stuff, and then they would come here, and we would do um, the 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 God ceremony here. We had a nice location all picked out. And uh, yeah, it was going to be fun. I was going to walk her down the aisle and do the service. So it was pretty cool. Uh -huh. um, so it would have been my first wedding. I'm not really a pastor. I'm more of a missionary. So I hadn't done weddings or funerals. So um, it would have been kind of cool figuring out how to do that. Yeah. And uh, so when Todd died um, that August, we just um, we just had to change all our plans. Uh, you know, they had they were actually coming here after she finished her schooling. She had two more years in her degree. She was going to do her master's online after that. So they had told us that they, as soon as she finished her school, Matt had already graduated. They were going to move here and take over um, as directors of the home uh, that we were running so we could step back into semi retirement. So we were, you know, riding this mountaintop. And then all of a sudden you're in the bottom of the valley trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, yeah, so we got the call. We had just finished a Spanish class about 12 o'clock um, that day in uh, August 17th. And, and uh, we got a, Tracy got a message from Matt's sister um, that we had to call uh, Matt up in the hospital in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And Tracy knew right away something was bad. And uh, so I just went into, you know, okay, let's start making the call. So we eventually got a hold of Matt. And, and uh, Well, you thankfully, know, I tried calling and I couldn't get through. She couldn't thank get through. Um, I don't know I how I would have been if I had actually talked to him. But So yeah. Matt answered the phone and he was, you know, going on and on about the accident and stuff like that. And you know, really being evasive. I, I probably yelled a little bit. And uh, finally, he told us that Pat had been killed instantly in the, in the accident and, and uh, he was in the hospital. Um, he wasn't hurt very much at all. He had a slight concussion and uh, a couple of cuts and bruises, but nothing major at all. God really protected his part of the car. Um, yeah, so um, the next few hours were just the busyness of talking to coroners and about 
tissue and organ donation, what could be done, uh, you know, just organizing, trying to call people, uh, you know, calling as many people live as you could because you didn't really want to, you know, text them or put a message up on Facebook. So anybody that was really close, um, you know, it's just a fury of trying to call and connect people before people found out. And, uh, and then eventually we just made a Facebook post because there's just too many people to reach. Yeah. So, yeah, that first day was. There was also a lot of, um, there was a lot of um, things to figure out because she's Canadian, Matt's Canadian, we're Canadian, we live in Peru, she died in the United States, and Matt was in a hospital in the United States. So there was a lot of figuring out how we were going to do all this because her body's in the States, we were in South America. Um, and so actually we found out faster than the government could even call us. <laughs> yeah, they had tried to, the embassy tried the to embassy get to us. The embassy tried to get us, and we actually found out guys before the embassy even got a hold of us. So, it's good to know they can't find us. Yeah, so we <laughs> we had to, we had to make all those plans too because Matt was alone in uh, Madison, Wisconsin by himself in a hospital. Um, his fiance had just died. He's alone. Yeah. Um, uh, so another missionary friend here yeah, we from that home. area contacted me and said, hey, I have a good pastor friend there. And he actually went over, uh, Bruce, I think was his name. He actually went over and sat with Matt because yeah. Matt's mom had to fly down from Western Canada um, and his brother and sister in Alaska. Um, so he actually went over and stayed with Matt until about two o'clock in the morning, I think, when his mom finally arrived. Um, yeah. And, and, and they were just wonderful. And then uh, that same pastor, we had Matt and I had to fly back down from Canada to Wisconsin to retrieve Tat's body and, and fly home with Tat's body. And that same pastor, uh, without us knowing, had organized our hotel, our hotel stay in Wisconsin that night um, mm -hmm. to, to let us uh, stay that night. So they really, God had just put a whole bunch of people in the right place at the right time just to care for us. And, in so many ways, uh, you know, our, our new organization, we'd only been with them three weeks. Um, they had to figure out how to get us out of the jungle and get us back to Canada. I went online. I couldn't find any flights. Somehow they did. Uh, you know, we had to get back to Canada. Another gentleman that I knew um, had connections. I don't know how he did this, but every airport that we stopped in, he had prearranged for someone either in customs or um, TSSA to assist us through the airport. So we were fast-tracked all the way through Miami. Really? When we got to Canada, wow. they opened the plane door. We were the first people off the plane and the uh, Canadian Border Services, two agents from the Canadian Border Services took us right through all the back parts of the airport. I'd never even seen them. And right out through, we didn't go through anything. Uh, they just looked at our passports quickly and we were out within like 15 minutes. Until uh, they knew right. we were with somebody yeah. that could and, take care and of And us. took us to our family and pastors. So it was just a, a whole bunch of people came together. It was overwhelming when yeah. you look back. Oh, yeah. That's mm -hmm. that's amazing. I know when, when Nathan went to heaven, we were in Oklahoma and we were, flew home the morning um, that he died. And I remember vividly sitting in the airplane, walking through airports and just looking around and thinking, nobody knows, mm -hmm. you know, we're the only ones that know we just lost our son, you know, yeah. and people are checking in and, you know, you're watching the stewardess show you how to do the seatbelts. And I just, it, it was an incredible feeling. So mm -hmm. what an amazing thing that that was all orchestrated all the way from Peru, 
all yeah. the way to that's that's I love it when you look at something and say okay that had to be a god thing <laughs> because yeah. that doesn't that doesn't just happen yeah no absolutely yeah. and and even more amazing was when they did uh, when they did finally get Matt back to Canada and they had to go back to get Tad's body they wanted to come with her they didn't want her to travel alone on the plane they ended up on the exact same plane and oh. so yeah which was great and uh they were in seats and so there's like a there is a god story about that is so Matt and Scott were sitting in in their seats and the plane for some reason when it landed the doors wouldn't open. They, they couldn't get the doors. They door couldn't open. get the doors open, and so everybody had to remain seated, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. The doors would not open, and Scott and Matt were at the window, and when they looked out the window, that's where Tad's body, the the box that Tad's body was in, was where they came out, and so they got to watch her come down, and you know the people took such good care of her and carried her gently, and then almost whammo the doors open. So it was like yeah. God, was like, okay, I'm going to let you know that she's okay. She's yeah. here with you, you know. And so I know that's probably kind of creepy to some people, but it, it was so comforting to them because they hadn't actually seen yeah. where she was, right? Yeah. They just knew she was on the plane somewhere. So yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Well, can you talk a bit more about your grief journey itself? Um, has your understanding of who God is changed? Um, have you learned more about the character of God through your grief experience? Oh, wow. Um, our grief experience, it's the one thing I, I, do, I do say is because we were missionaries and we were on the field, we had a big decision to make after Tat died when we went back is do we come back and do we continue doing what we're doing? Um, and at the time, I was a little resentful about that. I wanted, I wanted to have the life where I could, you know, close up her bedroom and shut the door and leave everything the way it was. You know, some people get that opportunity. Um, one, she was an adult and she didn't live with us. So that wasn't, a, that wasn't an option, but we also didn't have a family home where we could just put everything and keep it and just protect that little memory. Um, so at first I was a little angry about coming back right away, but honestly, when I look back at, at the grief journey, I think that really helped us get over the hump. It's it, not the hump, but it helped us. It helped us pick up the pieces a little bit and keep going. We had, we had no choice. We had to come back. All our all our possessions were here. All our 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 stuff was here. Like our life was here. We had to come back, and so we couldn't really um, wallow, if that's the right word, in in being, you know, there and with her stuff. And so it, at the time, it seemed really difficult to do that, to pack up everything and to pack up her apartment and 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 put it all away. But it also got us over a part of the grief that I think would have been really hard for me. I think I could have been swallowed up by that a lot more if I hadn't had the time to, if I had the time to wallow in it. Um, Scott is a doer, so Scott needed to be doing something. And so coming back here and getting organized and getting everything going, I think that worked really well for you to help process. Yeah, I think when it first happens, um, you know, I think we all have some sort of relation to death in our in our lives before, but when it's your own child, um, it's different, you know, and, and I think we all want to say that, you know, like Tat said, Tat was on the plane with us. We know Tat wasn't on the plane. Was Tat body was on the plane. Right. Tat was already with Jesus. I mean, the minute she died, the same second she was with Jesus. Um, you know, we know that, we understand that. So we're just kind of tied to her earthly belongings and her earthly things and her earthly body because that's all we have left. Um, we can't speak to the person. We can't hug the person. All we can do is um, 
you know, go through memories and, and, and videos and pictures of your body and all that stuff. And, and, and all that's kind of secondary to, to what's going on because we really have to get a hold of the fact that, that she is with God and she got exactly what she wanted. Um, you know, she prayed for that. She gave her life to Christ. She served Christ. She knew where she was going when she passed and that's where she went, you know, and that's what our, that was our prayers as parents. You and know, we, we were really we thankful for all that, about know? a year in, about a year in, a year and a half in, I think we kind of, God gave us a glimpse of that. I, I was writing a post for something. I don't know. I was trying to be encouraging and, you know, deal with my own grief at the same time. And I realized, and Scott and I talked a lot about this is what do we pray for our children, right? What do we pray? Why our children are with us. We pray for them to grow up in a godly home. We pray for them to follow Jesus. We pray for them to find a godly spouse. We pray for them, you know, to want to serve the Lord. You know, we pray for them that they'll end up in heaven. And I looked at Scott one day and I said, we got everything we asked for. Yeah. Absolutely everything we asked for just way too soon. Yeah. Right. In our minds, that's going to take 30 years, 40 years. Right. Oh yeah. We'll watch our kids grow up. We'll watch our grandchildren, but everything that we asked God to do for her, he did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so at that point we were like, okay, we have to stop, you know, stop imagining that we could bring her back because one, she'd be mad as heck of us if we ever dragged her back from heaven, right? If there was actually that ability to pull somebody back from heaven and and you take someone away from Jesus, what are they going to, that's the first thing they're going to say to you, right? Is what the heck are you doing? And so that was kind of a real eye opener for me. And it, it, it softened a lot of the hard edges for me because I kept saying, God, why did you do this? Why did this happen? But God's like, but I answered everything you asked for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And it just wasn't in our earthly way. It wasn't in our time, you know, yeah. and, and you have to let go of that stuff. You know, I remember our pastor used to use an illustration in some of his sermons. He said, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You know, you're not taking your stuff with you. It's uh, it's just stuff. But when your child dies, all, oh all you have is stuff. Yeah. You don't have anything left. So you, you, you yeah. cling on to it. It's our human nature to cling on to that stuff and want memories and want pictures. Sure. And, you know, I remember when we were, uh, some good friends were getting ready for Tat's funeral and they, they did all these picture boards and, and we literally had over 10,000 photos to go through. It was um, she grew up in the digital age. I mean, there was photos and videos everywhere. And I had cracked um, to them. I said, yeah, it's great. We have all this digital everybody Just go open their computer and we can find all the pictures and stuff. I said, we do this for our grandparents and we're going to have to go through shoeboxes and Literally three months after Pat died, my mom passed away. And we went through a shoebox full of photos to find a hand to make one picture board for her. You know, Tat had 20 picture boards and we had one for mom, you know, and, and, and you know, but it's all that stuff that we hang on to. And I think God, um, he reveals to us that just how unimportant it is yeah. when you have an eternal mindset. But, um, you know, but when it's all you have, you hang yeah. on to it. it. It's all good. Um, but when you can let go of that and realize that your child did get exactly what you prayed for, um, then then it's much more freeing. You know, you can sort of, sort of let go and and not grieve as as hard and as deep. Um, you know, maybe the tears aren't as long that day because you realize that she's with Jesus. Yeah. Where where else would you want to be? Yeah, we're not grieving for for Nathan. I mean, he's with Jesus. Not grieving for Taft. She's with Jesus. But we're grieving for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
and we grieve because we love you know exactly so, the love is so deep and i will say i don't know anyone else i have no other friends that have as many pictures of their kids <laughs> as you do of cat i have one hard drive that has over twenty four thousand photos and oh, that's just our, that was just our computer her best friend who she spent a lot of time with and her her best friend's parents literally at the funeral we're at as well we're like we have so many pictures we can't choose. That's why we had to let somebody else do it yeah. because there was just so much. <laughs> yeah. And so treasures. we're so thankful yeah. for that, right? Those are treasures, right? Yeah. And yeah. you find something that you haven't seen, it's kind of exciting. Oh, I know. It definitely is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, when, um, when we as parents lose a child unexpectedly, we have a choice. Uh, we can either become bitter toward God and even reject him. And some parents do that, unfortunately. Or we can just let God have his way in our life, build his character in our lives in a way that he couldn't otherwise have done without that depth of devastation that we've experienced. Um, when when Tat passed away, uh, what was your experience with that? Did you um, uh, struggle with who God is or the existence of God, uh, question him, have anger, or did you just easily... Um, trust God and allow him to, to do what he wanted in your life? I will answer first. I was mad as heck. I was like, how dare you, right? Like, how dare I think that? But at the time I was like, here we are living, trying to live our lives for you. She was trying to live her life for you, you know, and seeing it from the selfish side of it. I was like, how dare you take her from me? How dare you do this to me? Um, yeah, it was hard for me. Um, I'm a very, like, I'm not an artsy fartsy person, but like music to me is very important. Worship to me is very important. Um, the first few weeks after Tad died, I couldn't step in the church and listen to worship. I was just, how can we stand here and praise how great God is? And, you know, I'm dealing with the death of my child and that's all in my head. Like that was all my selfishness in my head. And I was angry for a long time. Couldn't listen to music for Ooh, probably six months, like any, it didn't matter what song it was. It would, it would just upset me so much that I couldn't do it. And so slowly, I think I, I started, you know, to get over that. And the more God revealed to me, you know, and that's the amazing thing about God is he, he already knows how we're going to react. He already knows how upset we're going to be. And yet he doesn't let go. Right. He keeps, he keeps, he keeps holding on to us and and a little by little, he keeps showing us stuff. And so when he gave us, when he gave me that, that eye-opening experience of, okay, I already answered your prayers. That was like, okay, God, you, you really do love me. I, you could have just said you're a spoiled brat to be gone with you, you know, and done his thing, wiped his hands clean. But he knew what it felt like to be that sad. He knew what it felt like to, to do that. And he didn't stop. And so um, for me, it was really, it was really hard. I don't think I, like, to be honest, I don't think I opened my Bible for a good year, maybe a good year and a half, because I just, I couldn't sit in church and say, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. When I'm thinking, but you don't know, mm -hmm. you know, when there's people up on the pulpit and people on the stage saying, Oh, God's so great. You know? And then, you know, you hear people, Oh, God saved my, you know, my brother-in-law from a car accident and, you know, he's fine. And I'm like, yeah, but he didn't save mine. Right. And so that bitterness gets in there. But I think I think God is using that right to stretch you and to teach you. And, OK, when can you say God is good all the time? All the time. God is good. It, it's it's it might not be right away, but thankfully we did. We didn't run the other way. 
I think we just kind of yeah, took a little a, more time. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's a bit of both. I I honestly don't think you could find anybody that lost a child that could say they were one hundred percent joyful that God did that. You know, I, I think that would be delusional. You know, so I had both. I was definitely angry with God. Um, definitely really mad and uh, not understanding, you know, trying to do the right thing, uh, you know, trying to raise our children properly, trying to, you know, serve in the field and, and do things. And not not that I, I serve so that I get a pat on the back, but just because we felt called by God to do that, you know, and and, and we're doing it, you know, and, and that's what Tat wanted to do. And then, you know, Tat was here for two years uh, before she had to go back to college. She, she'd been out of the field for a couple of years before um, she died so uh, you know but she was eagerly wanting to come back she went back for an education you know and, and uh, you know so I think we go through we go through phases I definitely with Tracy you know for that first first year year and a half um, there wasn't very much worshiping there wasn't a lot of prayer we were just you know just kind of in a place where we didn't know where we were you know we were between realms, you know like we just you know but I read this yesterday it's from Philip Yancey, and it really speaks to um, where you're at in those first months of grief as a parent. And it's by Philip Yancey and a friend of mine who, um, a pastor in South Carolina, shared it with me the other day. And he said, one, uh, Philip Yancey says, there's one bold message in the book of Job is that you can say anything to God. You can throw your grief at him, your anger, your doubt, your bitterness, your betrayal, your disappointment. He can absorb them all. As often as not, spiritual giants of the Bible are show, showing contending with God. They prefer to go away limping like Jacob rather than to shut God out. And I think that's what we did, you know. Yeah. It really speaks to that. Um, I wasn't, I was not God's good friend then when that happened, for sure. I'll admit it, um, you know, but he's okay with that. He can take that. He's got bigger shoulders than me, you know, and, and, and he's okay with that. He's all forgiving. So he already knows my sins. He already knows when I'm going to be angry and when I'm going to do things that it's not going to be okay with. So, um, you know, as parents, I think that you just have to reflect back and, and hopefully uh, I know there's others that have run away and, and, you know, that's, that's how they felt. And, and, you know, you just pray that the spirit will bring them back and, 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 and help them renew that relationship with God. But um, yeah, to, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you ever, I'd love to meet someone that said, yeah, I love God you know the day that happened <laughs> i'd love to know how they did that we know something you said earlier too it's it's hard too as a parent tracy i think you mentioned when somebody's some the lord saved somebody from a car accident yeah. you know and it's as we just have we're humans <laughs> so we have this human perspective um and don't understand nor are we going to understand why god intervenes sometimes and why he doesn't you know so exactly. there's he probably intervenes in our lives constantly that we don't ever know about all the time exactly yeah. but and part of that that god also revealed in that is that i always wondered that you know why didn't you intervene and you know obviously those are the things you, you question and i'm sure you know with you know ever all of us as parents wonder how could we have done different what could we have done different how could we have changed it but after tat died the stories the stories that came out of people's lives and what she had done behind the scenes that we didn't even know about, you know, the little things that she had done to encourage people, the, the praying she did for people, the, the people that came to us and said, you know, I gave up on God years ago, but Tat always prayed for me, or Tat always sent me messages, or Tat always, 
you know, or how many people after the funeral, her funeral um, view was ridiculous. Like it was, we, we did it online and I don't know, it was like 6,000 views or something. The day of was 6,000, but something now, ridiculous. right now it's like 13,000. But views the number of people who took the time afterwards to send a message and say, I'm so moved by her story and, and your faithfulness to tell her story that this is what happened. And right. And so God is still using her. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we think, oh, he, you know, he let her die. Her story's over, but her story isn't over, mm -hmm. you know, and now, you know, that kind of segues into what we're doing now. So we've built this new place. We've named it after her. It's called, our home is now called Tat's Place. Um, our, our ministry partner, our mission board, you know, recommended that maybe we start, you know, a fund called Tat's Kids and we can, you know, see how much support we can. And it's growing. I mean, for the last five years since she's died, we've taken care of almost 90 children wow. and all in her name. And so, you know, good things are still happening and God is still using her to reach people and to touch people that are here. And, you know, it it's, there's no straight path. You know, I think in grief, there's no, you know, you go from being sad and then to being happy. I don't think that is ever the case. I think it's, I'm using my hands. You can't see, obviously, but it's just, it's it's turns and twists and you know go backs and you know back up and start all over again and and i think that's the beauty of god's story is that he uses every part of that right to bring to bring his glory and i think for us i think that's what tat's place is about is what good can we make of this right and we're using her name to help children tell, tell us a little bit more about tat's place uh and as you mentioned it uh exactly what is it? I mean, who's there? What do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? So we are um, a care facility in the South Amazon jungle. Uh, we live in the South of Peru. So we border Brazil, Bolivia, and then we're in the, in the Southern Eastern part. Right? Yes. Southeastern. Southeastern part. Um, so we're a care home facility for children who've been abandoned, abused, or orphaned. Um, and yeah, right now we have as we speak, we have 18 kids in the house, but in the past five years, like I mentioned before, we've taken care of almost 90 children within mm -hmm. the health system. The, the social work system here is is very broken, and they need these homes to help care for these children that have been abandoned or left out on the street. And so that's what we do. We bring them in. We treat them as family. We don't run as a, an institution. We run as a family. Um, and so we're a smaller set home. We, we try to keep it under 20. <laughs> Sometimes it gets a little bit crazier than that, but we just try to help these kids know that they're loved and give them a life that they don't have to worry about. Some of them are getting back their childhood. Some of them have been forced to work. Some of them have been abused. And so we just want them to be kids and have a, a so-called normal life and just, and just learn to grow up and love the Lord and, um, yeah, that's what we do. We'll, we'll make sure we put the Facebook page uh, in the show notes because it is such a blessing to follow you guys. When you say you, you're a family, you are a family. We love seeing this gigantically long table for me. Yes. Just, and, and every yes, actually we, we, we have one big, we had, we, but we built hand built a table. We had a table hand built for us and it was huge. We thought it was ginormous and then it got full. So we had to buy another table. And so we did that. And now we actually have had to add on two more like cheapy plastic tables because we just keep getting more kids. So 
there's some quote about when you have lots, don't build a higher fence, build a longer table or something. And so people <laughs> always quote that to us, but our table, yeah, it does seem to go on forever. So, well, I think yeah. it'll be a blessing to our listeners to be able to see what you're doing with your ministry and they can sign up for your newsletter. I love reading your newsletter. Uh, we yeah. love seeing what's, what's going on and, um, Hopefully some people here can also get involved in, in what you do. Your ultimate goal, I've heard you say and write is what will you just tell us? What is the goal for these kids? Is it to hopefully be able to go back to um, a family? The ultimate goal obviously is family reunification, but some of our cases are um, just, they just, it's not going to happen. I mean, depending on the case, um, if it's a, if it's a serious abuse or a traffic situation or a, an abandonment um, situation, it, it's probably not going to, there's probably not going to be family reunification. So um, long-term in our home is not the goal. We're supposed to be a temporary care facility. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we get a call on Friday night um, and the mom's been arrested and the baby needs hands. So we've had, uh, you know, lots of baby rescues uh, late on night. Mom's going to jail for a while and the baby can't go to jail right away. Um, there's a process in order to ha have that all organized. So um, that that's the type of home we're supposed to be ready and, and willing to care for kids in a in, in an emergency situation. But what happens more often than not is the children come into the system, uh, depending on whatever the case is, and then there's a paperwork problem and there's some complications that come with, uh, you know, if the parents can speak up, well, that stalls the paperwork and the legal system in Peru changes every time a ju new judge comes in. So there's lots of extenuating circumstances that would um could see a child in our care. We, we had one girl, um, she was in our care for six years. After She just returned to her mother this year since she was eight uh, when she came to us and she's almost 15 now going back to her mom. And, you know, we had another girl that was here for two and a half years um, and had constant visits with her father and she could finally return to her father again because of paperwork and, and just logistics and stuff. So, um, you know, we do do a lot of temporary care. Um, last year, we had quite a few temporary temporary care situations where it was only a week or two. Uh, if they can find other family um, that would care for the children, uh, then they can move through the system quickly. Uh, if the parents that abandoned the child signed off on them right away, they can put them into the adoption system uh, and those babies move through pretty quick or those children move through pretty quick. But our, I think our average is probably more like two years in our home, which is too long, um, you know, we get babies, newborn babies, our, our youngest is 12 hours old. Uh, you know, we had her for two weeks, but then we had a 10-day-old preemie, Betsabe. Uh, she was with us for almost 20 months, you know, and, and we get all the fun of, of watching all those first first teeth, first walk, first crawl, you know, all that kind of fun that everybody missed out on or, or a person could have missed out on because um, the paperwork was slow. We couldn't find other things. So um, it, it's a... I think the end goal is just to love them like they're our own and just let them know that they're loved. Yeah. You know, whether it's by us, by our family, by our people, and by God. You know, we I don't ever want a child to think that they don't have someone who loves them. To me, that would be, oh, must be the worst feeling in the world. And so here we can just, we might not be their biological parents, but we can be their parents right now. And that's kind of how we, we talk to them about it. A lot of them call us mom and dad. And, you know, some people say to them, but you have a mom and dad. And they said, yeah. And so we say, yeah, you do have a mom and dad, but we're your, we're your mom and dad right now in this moment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think every child needs a parent, you know, of yeah. some sort. And so I think our end goal is just to help where we can and do what we can. And sometimes that's short term, sometimes that's long term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, this was Tat's heart, and she would have been there, but she's with yeah. Jesus now, and I just think it's remarkable that you both stayed there even after her passing and have continued um, her legacy and continued being the hands and feet of Jesus there in uh, that remote area. Right. I think part of it's, it's self-motivating too, though, because I mean, you know, I know we'll be reunited one day and I don't want to have to answer to her. Why didn't I keep going? My answer is going to be because you left her. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah you were going to retire. You are yeah. going to take over the. Yeah. Yeah. You were supposed to do it all yeah. right. So, so, I'll get to say that to her after I hug her a bit. But yeah, mm -hmm. I think. You can you can tell her about all those hot, hot, hot humid summers that you had to endure there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I turned 60 this year and I got babies in my house. So yeah. I can't send them all there 24-7. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us today. If um if you're listening today and um you're a bereaved parent, we hope you'll connect with Scott and Tracy at the support group we have once a month. They also help facilitate conferences. You can go to our website and see the different things that they're involved with. But um, we love having you guys minister also to bereaved parents um, and be able to share your story and through your own grief journey and through your story, seeing the faithfulness of the Lord is such an encouragement to others that are really early on. We we all remember what that feels like those first couple of years and yeah, I don't think you ever forget no exactly and thanks so much for having us thanks for having us we appreciate it the our hearts are home ministry to bereaved parents is solely funded by generous supporters like you to partner with us to reach grieving parents with the hope found in Christ visit ourheartsarehome.org.